Oscar Watch. Welcome back to Oscar Watch. I am renowned uh, international film producer Kurt Iskar, joined today by my co-host. I believe my name is Oscar Myers. I'd forgotten that we were doing this bit. I am uh, a famed hot dog and ballpark connoisseur and owner. That's right. Wow. I own at least seven stadiums where baseball is played. Did you rent one of them out to watch the Oscars last night? I did, in fact, do that very thing. I watched it on a giant inflatable screen right out in the middle. Wow. How, how did you watch the Oscars? <laughs> um, on my phone this morning. <laughs> I read that uh, Oscar viewership was an all-time low this year. I can tell you that was true. Only one person saw me do it. <laughs> Well, I guess we should say thank you to Wade and Emmett for letting us host this episode to come back. Oh, yes. So generous of them. They're very handsome and very generous. And you should yes, definitely very go. wealthy. Very. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but, but certainly generous with what wealth they do possess. As mentioned before, very handsome. Generous with their time editing these damn extra episodes to bring to you ungrateful lot. Um, having said that (laughs) having said that uh, kurt kurt oscar um mr meyer what were our previous predictions yeah i thought we could go through the categories and um compare our our predictions from our predictions i think our nominations episode so you Uh can go back and listen to that yeah go back Um, and listen to it and if you disagree with anything or have any Additional commentary, please add us at cinemabumspodcast at... No, <laughs> so close. Cinemabumspod at gmail.com. <laughs> I will never get the name of this right. We will never get one email. Yes, please send us your Oscar thoughts. And also, please, if you want to hear about the actual best films of last year... Listen to our holiday special of oh, 2020. Truly. Because I do think there's some stuff that's not represented here. I do love a lot mm-hmm. of the films on this list, but I think that we gave through our uh, four like top ten rankings on that a much wider array of movies um, for the listener. Like I feel like there's a sentiment, especially these last 20 years as the Oscars have gone more into like the oscar Beatty, the like critically acclaimed but not commercially seen movie like people always say like i've never even heard of these movies mm-hmm. you know so i thought as we go if there are any of these movies we think are really accessible mm. to wide audiences maybe if you're someone who likes the x-men movies or liked us and get out and hasn't seen a bunch of the other stuff we could call out some things that we think would be good for that yeah for sure that sounds like a really good idea. Um, okay, so I'm looking at the list here. I'm just seeing if there's anything we want to call out before we get to the ones we predicted. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I guess what other place should we start than saying My Octopus Teacher won <laughs> Best Documentary? After all of that we gave it, it won. <laughs> it was us. We put it over the edge. Yeah, I do think it was the Cinema Bums bump yeah. that uh, got it the mind share. That's a good question. For someone who knows more about the Academy than I, Oscar Myers, who only sells hot dogs, so I know nothing <laughs> about the inner workings of Hollywood. Well, I'm just a lowly pr- 
producer. I just certainly don't know how the Academy works. But I will say, I do remember that I produced my Octopus Teacher. I'm very happy for it to win. <laughs> oh, yeah. Congratulations on your first little golden guy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope to come out with two, but... Um... We will get there when we get there. Hey, uh, Tenet for visual effects. Oh, the I think Oscar-winning I, Tenet. I believe that I predicted that. I would say if you like X-Men, if you liked any of the X-Men movies, and maybe if you like, uh, like Get Out and Us, you might like Tenet. It's like kind of mind-bendy action adventure suspense stuff. Give it a try. I think it's... I think despite the ragging that we gave Sir Kenneth Branagh in this movie, it is like a pretty fun movie. And I'm excited to revisit it under different circumstances. It is famously confusing. Yeah, which is great. Which is so much. I I mean, I love a movie that is just confusion, uh, which is why I love Christopher Nolan so much. I want to give a shout out to another nominated documentary Uh that we didn't talk about last time and did not win. Lost to... Um, my my octopus teacher, yeah, yeah. but uh, it's called Time. Mm. This is a very interesting. It's about a family family where the mom and the dad commit a bank robbery, right. and uh, the mom takes a plea deal. The dad doesn't, so he's in jail, and she's raising their children. Mm-hmm. And all of that is like before the documentary. Like that's not what it's about. What it's about is that for the past twenty years, she has been filming herself and her kids whoa so that when he gets released from prison he would be able to like understand what happened in that time uh like first on camcorders and then eventually i think on phones but it's like a documentary of those 20 years passing in the life of a family wow that is like sort of dealing with that thing but is mostly like kind of just about the passage of time that's so cool where did you watch that at where was that available in Available on Prime Video. Cool. Another round won Best International Film. Loved it. I think we both predicted it just because we'd never seen any of the other ones, right? (laughs) Yes, but also we both really liked it. Yeah, it was a very fun movie. And the director, Thomas Vinterberg, was also nominated, did not win, but nominated for Best Director. Wow. I want to say that I had totally forgotten the story about that movie, which we talked about before we watched it, which is that his daughter was in it mm-hmm. and died it was killed in a car accident four days into filming oh. and then they like stopped the movie and totally sort of changed what it was about and then like came back and finished it and dedicated it to her i had forgotten about that too i had completely forgotten and i was just like oh best directing because it's a good movie but i'm sure that's a big part of it and he yeah he talked about that in his acceptance speech for international film wow i also have some breaking news to share okay this came out like an hour ago, that there's going to be an English language remake of Another Round produced by and starring Leonardo DiCaprio as the lead. Unbelievable. This is going to be terrible. Yeah, I think there's this no is way gonna, it's as This good. is going to be so bad. <laughs> I don't even want to get into the master's thesis on why like drinking in America is different and bad and worse. But yeah, like I think that movie is a really interesting meditation and I'm sure this will be not that. That movie is about four high school teachers who all test a theory to see like what will happen if they keep their blood alcohol level at 0.05 at all times. 
Uh, it's like an experiment between these four friends of what if they're just like always a little bit buzzed. How does their life change? It's really great. I think it's pretty accessible if you read the subtitles. Mm-hmm. And I think in America it would just be too sensationalist. Yeah. And like you can come to Ocracoke if you want to know what it's like if people are just kind of <laughs> drunk all the time. Like if you want to see that lifestyle, maybe we got it. Let's get into it. Best animated picture nominated were onward over the moon a sean the sheep movie farmageddon which i produced soul and wolf walkers it was indeed a farmageddon because soul won oh i guess i should have said our predictions yeah that would make them better yeah, a did. more compelling structure on this we both predicted soul okay hey we were and both right th- so coming out strong that is one point for both of us on the predictions okay I loved Soul, but I also didn't see any of the other films except for Onward, which I also loved. So I really, yeah. I could, I, I would have been mad if it wasn't Soul or Onward, but I couldn't have been mad either way. I agree. Well, I wish it would have been Shaun the Sheep, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry for your Since loss. I produced it, I do want to say that I have pretty good feelings about my Oscar hopes next year. Uh-huh with some of the films I've produced this year that have already come out. Excited to hear what those are. But I like Soul, I think. I think Onward is better. But Soul's good. Whatever. Soul's good. Okay, moving on to Adapted Screenplay. The films nominated were Bo Rat 2, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. I predicted One Night in Miami. Okay. You predicted Bo Rat 2. Okay. And it went to The Father. Who even knew that was a movie, honestly? Yeah, I have not seen. That's kind of the only the only one that between us we haven't seen yeah. in this whole major list. So, But adapted by Christopher Hampton, the playwright. Oh. Huh. And, um, and adapted from a play by the director, Florian Zeller. So no kidding. A little bit of theater love there. Oh, we but... do love the theater love. I believe it is still Alice for men, but I, that might be insensitive, so maybe cut that. Well, it's okay. What? We come on this podcast twice a year. Who cares what we say? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Even yeah, Wade yeah, can yeah, deal yeah. with that later. Yeah. Original screenplay. Mm-hmm. Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. Minari. Mm-hmm. Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. We both predicted Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago 7. The winner was Emerald Fennell's Promising Young Woman. Damn. A really good movie. Yeah, I kind of thought it would be Chicago 7 because the writing is the strongest part of that. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I think this cements the screenplay category as the category where exciting things can happen. Okay. Yeah. Sort of the only one. Like, Logan got nominated, Knives Out got nominated, mm-hmm. Get Out won yeah. a few years ago, yeah. Black Klansman won yeah. the year it was nominated. So, And Promising Young Woman is a very exciting movie. Mm-hmm. I will say it is pretty accessible. It's about like a very grim subject matter. It's all sort of about sexual abuse. So yeah. know that going in mm-hmm. and, and determine what you want to deal with going in but it's like a very stylized poppy a sort of like hyper revenge movie that's very fun and exciting very jacobean revenge tragedy 
but very unlike anything else on this list. Yes, but also very <laughs> 2020. Yeah, deal with that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And Emerald Fennell's next movie, which got announced, is that she's doing a Zatanna movie for DC Comics, which I'm excited about. Wow, she's a a magician who speaks backwards and wears fishnets and a top hat and was one of my favorite characters as a kid. So yeah, I'm all in on that. Get I'm, that money. As long as Zack Snyder say. is nowhere near it, we're all cool <laughs> on whatever DC wants to do. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. Moving on to supporting actress. Oh. Uh, the nominees for supporting actress were Maria Bakalova in Bo Rat, Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman in The Father, Amanda Seyfried in Mank, and Yeo Jung Yoon in Minari. I predicted Amanda Seyfried, you predicted Olivia Coleman, and it went to Yeo Jung Yoon, who was great. Yeah. Yeah. He was awesome you, in the movie. You saw that movie, right? Yeah, she was, yeah. She was good. Yeah, it's a really warm movie. It's about a Korean family in the 80s who moves to like rural country Midwest. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact state, but to sort of like live the American dream and start a farm. I will say it's very slow. Mm-hmm. That's my asterisk in terms of it being accessible, but it's really warm. It's a movie with a lot of sort of like broad topics that passes no judgment on anyone in it hmm. in like a really bold way. Okay. I I am not a nature guy at all, and it made me like appreciate nature in such a big way. It's hmm. just sort of very lush and beautiful and about like a realistic depiction of having a farm. That's awesome. And she plays their grandma who comes from Korea to live with them in this sort of small trailer and help with the farm. And the movie is really about the relationship between her and her grandson played incredibly by Alan Kim, who should have won every award. Wow. And just her nine the other the other day. Oh, whoa! <laughs> Look up pictures of him because he's incredible. Wow! So you're saying he should have been up in that best that best supporting role? An I believe in the actor. Baftas or in one of the other precursor awards he was. Whoa! In supporting actor, the nominees were Sasha Baron Cohen in Trial of the Chicago Seven, Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami. Paul Racy in Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield, also in Judas and the Black Messiah. This is a stacked list. <laughs> it really is. I predicted Lakeith, and you predicted Sasha Baron Cohen, and ended up going to Daniel Kaluuya. He's incredible. I was gaming the system when I picked Sasha Baron Cohen. I, didn't, I hadn't even seen that movie. Look, Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the Black Messiah is incredible. He really, it's that thing that you always talk about, that historical acting that the Academy goes in for. Mm. But I think he's one of the best examples of it that we've had in modern in modern history and of, like, capturing the, like, cadence of Chairman Hampton's voice. Very compelling. And just bringing his, like, warmth and that you know how you were talking about on the good out episode about that sly smile of his mm-hmm. and like that is what he brings to that character that like you know is a revolutionary you know is like a hard ass in many ways but like bringing that warmth and that like delight to him is just like just, it's incredible i think it's well deserved yeah i think it's well deserved too I I love Lakeith. I mean, I'm also biased cuz Lakeith is like one of my favorite actors, but 
I would have given it to Lakeith, but I also would have put Lakeith in lead. Mm-hmm. I would have put Lakeith as lead actor, and I would have nominated Lil Rel Howery mm. in addition to Daniel Kaluuya for Best Supporting Actor in Hell this yeah. movie. Because he's so good. And that's like a true supporting like five minutes of the movie mm-hmm. sort of role, but like very unlike anything he's done before and really exciting and powerful. And I would say the the Kaluuya role is also very different from what he has played before. So he seems to be only getting hits, no misses. So can't wait to see what he does next. Also, I would say to anybody who watched that movie and liked it, wanted to get a deeper dive on some of that history, looking Mm -hmm. up uh, fellow podcasters over at the NPR podcast, Throughline, they had an episode on the Black Panthers uh, recently. Uh, this would have been in mid-April now, um, whenever mm. you're listening to this. This would have been in mid-April of 2021. A really interesting episode on Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers that I found to be very illuminating and offer some very good, cool context for this film. Lead actress. The nominees were Viola Davis in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andrew Day in The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand in Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. Mm. I predicted Frances McDormand. You predicted Andra Day. And it ended up going to McDormand. All right. So now, out of the two of us, we are <laughs> three for <laughs> ten or something. I think she is good in it. She is very dedicated mm-hmm. to the role. It's hard. I think that... For instance, Viola Davis plays against type so much mm-hmm. in Ma Rainey in a way that's really captivating. Yeah. But it's hard because both of those movies are like about an hour 50. And I would say Frances McDormand is on screen for an hour 50 of her movie. And Viola Davis is on screen for probably 20 minutes okay. of that movie. Fair, fair. So that's like a weird... I feel like there's just a little bit of category fraud throughout a lot of the nominees. Yeah. Because I think Violet Davis should be up for best supporting. I know she's the titular character, but that's just the way that that adaptation of that thing was written. And you can take your fault with that, as you may, but... She's not the protagonist. She's not the protagonist of that film. So I don't know what she's doing in that category. Rounding it up here, leading actor, Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Sir Anthony Hopkins in The Father, Gary Oldman in Mank, and Stephen Yoon in Minari. I predicted Chadwick, and you predicted Riz. I don't think anyone predicted the winner, the actual winner, which was Anthony Hopkins for The Father. I haven't seen The Father. Neither of you, right? Nope. It's the blind spot on this list. I have seen both of the ones that we predicted the actors for (laughs) so let me talk about that for a second i know that like chadwick boseman was the favorite going into this like going into the oscars there's a lot of talk about him winning the uh you know the posthumous oscar and it kind of being like people knowing that it was for ma rainey's black bottom but also for his work on the five bloods and in black panther and in all the other films that he's you know has shown his life through and his in uh-huh. his brief time that we had him as an actor. But I really wanted it to be Riz Ahmed because I thought he was so good in Sound of Metal. Really good and much more like 
a leading character performance. Because, like, even with Chadwick Boseman's character in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, it's like, he's splitting it up a little bit more, and he's like, it mm-hmm. feels like he's the protagonist, but it's not all his movie. Yeah. But for Riz Ahmed, it is all his movie. He is so incredible. The transformational acting that he does in that, it's really gorgeous. I don't know. I guess The Father must be really good. But I hesitate to watch it because I'm guessing that it's actually not. The big controversy about The Night mm-hmm. is for the first time in modern history, for the first time in like 60 years, they didn't end with Best Picture. Best Picture is the most prestigious award. It's always sort of the last yeah. one given out. And then like the whole cast comes on stage and it's a big mm-hmm. rousing away to end the night. Uh, this year they did Best Picture and then they did Best Actor. I think pretty bald-faced teeing up for a Chadwick win to have sort of like mm. a big emotional finish. Right. I also think that maybe they were sort of like people might not have seen Nomadland or some of these pictures, Uh but but everyone knows Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. So that's our big finish. And then... I guess they should have peeked at the envelope before doing that because what happened is Joaquin Phoenix said, uh, goes to Anthony Hopkins and he's not here. Good night. And then the screen cut away and it was like as abrupt as that. Wow. And Sir Anthony Hopkins, who's 83, was asleep before the Oscars started. Yeah. It's also, you know, a pandemic, so he wasn't there in person. Yeah. Perfectly reasonable for him. Yeah, he sent out a little acceptance speech this morning at like 7 a.m. when he woke up. That's awesome. Pretty shocked that it wasn't Chadwick, especially with all that. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. And Chadwick is also really good in that movie. He is really good in that movie. I don't think it would just have been sort of a win because of his in in memoriam to him, you know. No, his his acting in that film is incredible. I'm not sure if he would have been locked in, but I'm sure he would have been nominated in was, any other year. Yeah, if he was yeah. alive, yeah. Second to last best director, mm-hmm. the aforementioned Thomas Vinterberg for another round, mm-hmm. David Fincher for Mank, mm-hmm. Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. Mm-hmm. Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. We both predicted the actual winner, who is Chloe Zhao. Hell yeah. Becoming the second woman to ever win Best Director in 93 years, following Catherine Bigelow 10 years ago for The Hurt Locker. Well, it's a mess. It's bleak. I hope this paves the way for it becoming a much more accessible thing Mm -hmm. for women to be viewed on the same grounds as their male compatriots. And I don't think the answer is doing the sort of BS thing they did to best picture and expanding it to 10 No, when they were like, this will let us let in movies people actually like. And then they didn't do that. Right. (laughs) And also (laughs) like, even on the face of it, expanding the category is insulting like even if you even yeah. if they had even if they had nominated the movies that people actually wanted them to nominate when they expanded the category it's still an insult mm-hmm. like to be like well i guess now you can get in but it because yeah. it means you're still not gonna win why mm-hmm. nominate 10 when only one is gonna win nominate five that's the right number to nominate i just have to say to take nothing away from Chloe Zhao, who's mm-hmm. Eternals I'm really looking forward to later this year. Not even nominated, but Judas and the Black Messiah, directed by Shaka King, is like the best directed movie I've seen 
in mm. a few years. Yeah. In my opinion. He would have been my winner. Not even nominated here, but Best Picture, the eight nominees were The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomad Land, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. We both predicted Judas and the Black Messiah. It went to Nomadland. I don't know. What what would you have given it to? I had not seen Judas and the Black Messiah at the time that I predicted it. Nor did I. But I would probably go with that. Maybe Sound of Metal for me. Yeah, I love Judas and the Black Messiah. That would have been my pick. I would also say that's the most accessible on this list. Hmm. Because it's it's if you don't know anything about it and have gotten this far into the episode... It's a story of Fred Hampton, who was the head of the uh, the Black Panther Party in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He's played by Daniel Kaluuya, but the film is sort of centered around Lakeith Stanfield, who's just sort of a normal guy who is blackmailed and also hired by the FBI to infiltrate the ranks of the Black Panthers, become a Black Panther, and sort of get to know Fred Hampton and report back on everything he's doing to the FBI. So there is this, like, accessible, almost sort of, like, crime drama, like, Mm -hmm. thriller hook Mm -hmm. to it. Because the whole time you're watching this guy who you do care about in Lakeith Stanfield, and maybe you think he's doing the wrong thing, and he's, like, always in danger. Yeah. Of people finding out. The people that he now cares about finding out that he is betraying them at every turn. Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. Mm. The reason that I wouldn't give it best for me is because ultimately, like, I, I know that everybody, you know, I know that everyone's human and that, like, even people who are traitors to a very hmm. righteous cause are human. But centering them and making them the center of that story is maybe not the most productive use of time and so that's like that's and that's where i land on that because i think that like he i mean he's very clearly on the he's i don't know i don't know it's hard he's very clearly on the wrong side of things but you also see how much it like how much he knows that i think that i was really interested in his story particularly maybe for some of those like narrative reasons Mm -hmm. we discussed and also again because i love lakeith so much and the film like his segments of the film are so incredibly directed good in it too but i would almost rather there be less of hampton if i had to pick one of the two Mm -hmm. like i think some of the uneasiness is that we've never gotten a fred hampton movie right and maybe, like, the brutal fact of the matter is we wouldn't get one from Warner Brothers or whoever. Right. Unless it was telling this sort of angle on the story, yeah. you know? Like, maybe we wouldn't get a Malcolm S. X-esque sure. straight biography. I mean, a lot of what that episode of um, Three Line was about was talking about how a lot of people's first pop culture interaction with Black Panthers is through Forrest Gump which does not portray hmm. them in any sort of positive light. Yeah. So, you know, there's uh, there's something to just, like, any sort of positive, like, reconstruction of the Black Panthers and pop cultural. If you're one of our listeners, and that strikes you a little weird, which I find a little hard to believe, but maybe this is your first episode, I will say <laughs> that it's very, like, even-keeled, too. Like, you do see the things that people criticize the Black Panther Party for. Mm-hmm. And you also see a lot of good that they did that people weren't really talking about. People still don't really talk about. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That is a huge focus of the film. 
But I was definitely more interested in this because of the angle than I would have been in mm. just like a straight up biopic. Sure. Which hopefully we get one day too. Yeah. I'll speak a little bit about the actual winner, Nomadland. Mm-hmm. So this film is adapted from a book which is about the real life phenomenon that after the 2008 economic crash, there was a movement of senior citizens who sort of abandoned their lifestyle or couldn't afford their lifestyle, bought an RV and moved out west to do seasonal work. The book is by a journalist. There's no sort of narrative. It isn't about a specific person. It's just sort of an examination of this thing that was happening. It's someone documenting that this is a thing that happened. And so the movie has taken basically just a concept and formed a loose narrative out of it. That narrative is based around Frances McDormand's character, Fern, Fern, I believe. And it's her and another actor who's very good. And all the other characters in the film are portrayed by real people who live this nomad lifestyle. And they're just sort of playing fictionalized versions of themselves. I wanted to like it more than I did. It wasn't really my jam. I think that it's very slow and it's very, very light on plot. So if you're a story guy like me, there isn't a ton to latch onto there. It is very beautiful and is very well performed. And I would say the people who I would recommend this movie to... I have had, like, a lot of my friends tell me over the year something along the lines of, like, I don't know, I'm also just thinking about getting a van and traveling Mm -hmm. around the world for a year. I think if you have had that thought, this is a great movie to watch because it captures a lot of the beauty of that and also, like, a lot of the reality of that. I mean, huge portions of this movie are just about, like, how hard it is to go to the bathroom or to wash your clothes or to take a shower. Yeah. I think if that has interested you, if you have an experience with the American West or if this actually applies to you or someone you know, this nomad lifestyle, like, then I think that you would definitely love this movie. I would not recommend this movie to the people we've been talking about who haven't seen any of these movies. (laughs) Right. Are a little more on the wavelength of... Um, you know, the more populist fun stuff like Tenet or um, X-Men or, or Get, Get Out. Out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not recommend this movie to those people. I would say you'd be better served by Judas or Promising Young Woman, Minari, mm-hmm. even Trial of the Chicago 7, which is like a very straightforward legal drama that also kind of talks about the Black Panthers. I'd really like to go back and watch all of these, as I said, probably on our uh, <laughs> predictions episode as well. <laughs> uh, maybe at some point I will manage to do that thing. So, yes. So I believe that the end tally is me with three and you with two. Okay. Okay. You win. You win predictions. Oscar predictions. Yes. Very good. Yes. Um, not that prestigious of a win with the amount we got right, but I'm happy about it. I'm happy to have won an Oscar for My Octopus Teacher. Oh, yeah. Yes, congratulations. And I'd like to formally announce the campaign for the movie I recently produced for your consideration, Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, my God. That's going to win both Best Animated Feature and Best Picture. (laughs) Actually, um, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but it's all in camera. There's no visual effects in that movie. We shot everything on film, so... Uh, we're pushing, 
we're pushing best screenplay. I mean, some of the some of the dialogue, some of the conversations in this film, you got to hear to believe. So we're pushing that, and um, I'm pushing Godzilla for supporting and Kong for best actor. Oh my god! Wow! And you get a best supporting actress in the the little girl who holds the yeah Kong Millie Bobby doll. Brown. No, not that. Oh, no, not oh, that no. the actual little girl in this movie. She is really good. She is really good in this movie. Unironically. Rebecca Hall is pretty good, too, as, like, her adopted mother. All jokes aside, every actor in this movie actually kicks ass. Yeah, and that's why I'm so excited to be announcing Kong. Uh, We're really going to lean into the fact that he learned sign language for the part. So I hope (laughs) I have a good feeling about next year. That's all I have to say. Well, I'm very happy for you. Um, As for me, I will just be sitting up in my baseball stadium, chomping on a nice Frank dog. You know me. That's it from uh, special correspondent Oscar Myers reporting from some stadium near you. Oh, something I liked about the Oscars that I'll mention here at the very end of the episode, for anyone who's listening, was the, um, the honorary Oscar that Tyler Perry got. Really like his speech. What what did he get an honorary Oscar? Just like an honorary for, for it was uh, it was the work? humanitarian award. Him being a person in the film industry has contributed a lot to I guess charitable causes over the years. Well, hell yeah, good for our neighbor Tyler Perry. <laughs> I'm sure that's been enough from us, Oscar Myers. <laughs> Too much, some would Kirk say. Oscar. <laughs> yes, we'll be back next year. Come hell or high water. Uh, unless um, unless the Oscars have been permanently canceled by that time, which we can only hope and pray. Which maybe the Golden Globes will be. <laughs> Until then, Oscar you later. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcast. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes this podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.